on everybody, it's your buddy, it's your pal, Spass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, here with your AEW Revolution 2022 preview. Yes, it's the second, if you listen to the first pod, this is the second pod I'm recording tonight. Still seem to be somewhat awake, voice is failing me as usual, so you'll have to forgive me for that. And Jesus Christ, guys, this card... <laughs> um, there's a lot to get into, as I mentioned in the Impact... Um, Sacrifice preview. I was hoping to have Guapo along with me for this one, but uh, work's kicking him in the ass, so we will have to get him on here soon. Not only to talk about his trip down to uh, Impact's No Surrender show, very very jealous. He got to see all the uh, all the fallout with the Bullet Club and Honor No More and and all that fun stuff, but also to get his take on uh, Tony Khan slash AEW buying Ring of Honor and what that's all going to look like and what that could entail and oh my god is Cody Rhodes leading an ROH invasion guys that would be so cool except it wouldn't um, we will do that at a later date uh, as I mentioned in the previous pod I'm not really going to talk to that much myself not really ever been a Ring of Honor fan so it would be a very shallow conversation on my part and we do we really really do have a lot to talk about on this card so adding in any additional stuff would uh, would make me lose my breath and after this I still have to talk about NXT uh, so we're gonna try and get this out of here as quickly as we possibly can. AEW Revolution going down this Sunday. We have a kickoff, and it's not gonna take me very long to talk about the kickoff. We got Hook versus QT. Um, you guys know I don't give a shit about QT, but Jesus Christ, Hook is gonna kill somebody. I'm ready for Hook to not have squash matches. I know he's sort of like being like the dude on Rampage and sort of destroying everybody, but I'm ready for him to actually settle down and have a feud, if that makes sense. Um, it would be really cool to see him like break away from his dad, because I would love to see him have matches with Ricky Starks, because I think the, uh, the contrast in attitude maybe maybe see Hook walk away from Team Taz with the FTW Championship. I think there's a really cool a really cool story you could tell there. Um, I'm talking about Hook in general because I don't care about a match with QT Marshall. QT Marshall is a jabba, and Hook should be on the show. If Hook was facing anybody else, I'd be advocating for Hook to actually be on the card and not on the kickoff because, I, like I said, I really, uh, really enjoy Hook and what he's doing, and he's probably, like, other than... The uh, other than the pillars, other than uh, the Chris Statlanders and the uh, and the Britt Bakers and and all those type of people, and obviously the the main eventers are the main eventers. I'm not going to pretend that they're not, uh, but he is something I look forward to seeing on in in the wrestling week in AEW. So uh, I hope they realize that. I hope they don't let it jump the shark, and I hope he gets something really cool really soon and not be on the kickoff. Another person. I would love to see not on the kickoff back in the title picture, and yeah, we'll talk about the TBS title picture later on, but I'd throw her in the TBS title picture because anybody is better than Jade Cargill. Oh yes. But Chris, eh, Chris Statlander, I can speak, I swear, this does not bode well. I have another pod to do after this one. Um, Chris Statlander taking on Layla Hirsch, and this is just sort of a thing that's fallen out, and... 
Layla Hirsch is is really fun to watch in the ring, but I don't really care much about her as a character. And Chris Dallander's a lot of fun, really, really great in the ring, and not hard to look at either. Uh, she promised in a, in a uh, promo on this week's um, Dynamite that we're going to see a different side of Chris Statlander. So I'm really, I'm really amused at the possibility of seeing like a darker side of the alien, which is absolutely a ridiculous sentence to say in a wrestling context. But I love it. Um, Talking about the silly stuff in general, uh, whether it's on AEW, whether it's in WWE, whether it's, you know, Impact, uh, whether it's Destiny, whether it's NXT, love me the funny stuff. Like, I always, I've always said that, uh, oh, you know, the people that are like, oh, AEW's the serious wrestling company, they don't do silly stuff like WWE, and then I'm like, yeah, but they've got a dinosaur and an alien, and they're the two of the most over characters on the show. Now, people think I'm shitting on AEW when I say that. I'm not. Like, you need to have silly shit. Like, it, it, it's literally the, um, the why not both kid meme. Like, you can have your, 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 uh, hardcore wrestling, you can have your five-star classics in the Tokyo Dome, brother, and you can have your silly shit. The House of Black is another great highlight of the show. Surprised that they're not on this, unless they're gonna get, uh, involved in something else. We don't have Death Triangle, any members of Death Triangle, or any members of the House of Black on this card, which I'm just realizing now as I look at my notes, because I'm special. Chris Statlander versus Layla Hirsch is going to be a great match. I I will keep saying this. I, I know it's not going to happen because they're on a, in opposing companies, but I would really love to see Layla Hirsch versus Ivy Nile. I think they would beat the crap out of each other. Um, Chris Statlander is going to be doing something fun again soon. I hope she's got the association with uh, with the best friends, Chaos, whatever they're calling themselves, that group that just keeps growing. Because who is, who is it now? It's Chucky, Trent, Orange Cassidy, Wheeler Yuta, Danhausen, and Chris Statlander. Like, that group has to do something eventually. Like, they are more over than the Dark Order, I would say. No, I, I know that's sacrilege. It's fine. You know, R.I.P. Uh, Brody Lee and all that kind of thing. But they are more over than the Dark Order. And they're not in any title contention for... I mean, Orange Cassidy is. We'll talk about that in a second. But I don't think he's winning. Um, yeah, Hook goes over QT. Chris Stylander goes over Layla Hirsch. And then we get into the card itself. There's one match. There's one match in this entire card that I could not give a shit about, and it's the Tornado Trios match. Andrade, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy um, uh, taking on Darby Sting and Sammy Guevara. Now, I will say, filming this, or sorry, I should say recording this on Thursday, Rampage hasn't happened yet. I know there's an Andrade versus Sammy versus Darby match happening on Rampage. I don't know who the champion is going into this, but either way, the... Uh, the TNT Championship is not being defended on this card. I would have done it the other way. I don't care about this tag match at all. I would have thrown this on Rampage. I would have thrown the triple threat on the card because you've got a ladder match that we're going to talk about later on that is going to determine the next challenger for that title. That title needs to be shown in a more prominent way on the show. I'm going to guess because you've got a champion that you need to keep strong for that next challenger because Darby is one of the most over things in AEW, and because Sting is Sting, that the the, uh, the faces are going to win. Now, on the other side of the coin, you've got Andrade and Matt Hardy, who have issues. Andrade, everybody says, and I kind of agree, Andrade's going to take over the Andrade-Hardy family office, and Hardy's going to go face again, just in time for Jeff to show up. And the way they've made me not give a shit about Matt Hardy is kind of criminal, and it makes me kind of worried for Jeff Hardy coming into AEW. Now, I haven't said that in a long time. 
everybody else that's come over to AEW, I begrudgingly admit, uh, has been treated fantastically, has been treated like a star, been treated like a main event, like, let's just run it down, like Jericho, Cole, uh, Brian, Keith Lee, uh, Mox, like, they're all treated, but like, they've somehow, they've contrived to make me not give a single fuck about Matt Hardy, and that's, if you know me, and I, I know I drill this point down a lot, you'd have to know how long I've been a Hardy Boys fan to know how impactful it is for me to not give a shit about a Matt Hardy or a Hardy Boys thing. Apparently they reached out to Lita as well, and then she said, no, fuck that, I'm going to go to the Rumble, I'm going to go to the Chamber and have a title match instead. Um... I don't know. The faces win. Whatever. Another case where I really, really, really hope the face wins because anybody is better than Jade Cargill. Tay Conti has stepped up to Jade Cargill and basically said, I want that bitch strap. <sighs> Everything about Jade Cargill is terrible. She's Ryback. She's Ryback with an even worse manager. Like, you can't make this shit up. Tay Conti, and I say this, um... When she left NXT, she came to AEW, improved, like, almost on day one. Uh, a year into her AEW run, she put up a big video on Instagram. And I'm not, I'm not saying everything should be driven by Instagram and social media or whatever, but she did a sort of, like, this is where I am now, like, an introspective type thing. Like, hey, you know, they, they dropped me, AEW picked me up, this is where I am. And I think she was going into a title match at the time, I think with Hikaru Shida... Somebody's going to correct me down in the box below, but Tecante is fucking great. Um, her her friendship, partnership with Anna Jay is always a lot of fun, because Anna Jay sort of pours her heart into everything as the expression goes. I just... Jade Cargill's garbage. <laughs> like, I don't know what to say other than Tecante should win this, because anybody against Jade Cargill should win. Jade Cargill should not have that title. Ruby Soho should have that title. Ruby Soho should be defending that title against Tay Conte this Sunday at Revolution. That's what I'm saying. And then, at that point, I'd be a little bit more biased. Tay Conte is really deserving, but I really like Ruby Soho, so that would be a lot more fun match for me to talk about. Tay Conte and Anna Jay have that sort of loose association with the Dark Order, who have a loose association with Hangman Page, so there could be a, like, you could do a little thing in the back in the Dark Order's dressing room where, because he wouldn't have had his title match yet, you could have Tay Conte and Hangman Page like clinking belts and celebrating. Like, that could be a cool little moment that's definitely not going to happen. But Jade Cargill's going to win because identity politics and reasons and because she's Ryback and all that that entails. You know what's going to be a lot of fun? A lot of fun with a lot of story is Jurassic Express defending their titles in a trios uh, or a triple threat trios. I keep wanting to say that it's a ladder match, but it's not. Um, Jurassic Express versus the Bucks versus Red Dragon. Now, the downside to this is that the Jurassic Express are the third characters in their own title defense story, which isn't ideal because the story going into this is. Uh, Adam Cole's two pairs of friends and can they get along and are, are they going to fuck each other up because the Bucks want to be the champions again. Red Dragon want to be the champions. There's going to be this um, this rift between the, uh, all the different sub subsections of the elite. I really 
I really am curious because they're doing the Bullet Club stuff in Impact, and I touched on this a lot more in the Sacrifice preview. If you haven't checked that out, go check it out. I, um, they really are doing a lot with Bullet Club, Elite, um, adjacent people, and they just had the shakeup in the Bullet Club in Impact, led by Jay White, Jay White who's also showed up in AEW with a tag team as well. There has to be a story brewing where we get Jay White and the Good Brothers versus Adam Cole and Red Dragon versus Hangman Page and the Bucks. Like, doesn't that story have to come at some point? Now, it'll be a pile of people mess, but there'll be so much story going on that that's absolutely fine. Now, I think... The way I've, I've got this worked out in my head, the way I would love to see... Because I would love to see Fish and O'Reilly. Because Fish and O'Reilly, you guys know, uh, there's lingering NXT bias, even though they're not NXT guys anymore. I would love to ultimately see them pick up the belts. But here's how I would do it if I was if I was AEW. You got a couple of, uh, of sort of specialized weekly shows before your next pay-per-view, right? So Jurassic Express are, like I say, the third characters in their own triple threat match. So... I'd have Jurassic Express retain here because the Bucks and Red Dragon are so petty towards each other that they keep getting in each other's way and Jurassic Express steals one. Now that doesn't make Jurassic Express look incredibly great, but what you do do is you you build the intensity between the Bucks and Red Dragon because both of them cost the other ones their shots at the title. So what you do at their next, whatever their next special Wednesday event is, is you have the Bucks versus Red Dragon round one as a number one contender's match for a second shot at Jurassic Express, two-on-two, not two-on-two-on-two. You have the Bucks win that. You have the Bucks then go on to the next special Wednesday thing, whatever. Have them take the belts two-on-two off of Jurassic Express. Have the Bucks hold the belts again. Have them do all their frivolous pomp and circumstance garbage that they do. And then at the next proper pay-per-view, you bring this feud back to an apex. Get Red Dragon back up into number one contendership the proper way through the ranking system and whatever. Have them sort of tap them on the shoulder a couple weeks before the pay-per-view hits. Say, yeah, it's us again. Have Red Dragon beat the Bucks for the titles at that show. Now you get four diff you get four very different matches out of that because you see them go head to head in this triple threat match, then you see them go head to head for the number one contendership, then you see them fail, then you see the Bucks succeed based on their failure, and then you see Red Dragon loop around at the end and and get the get the good if you want to put it that way. You get four very unique, very individual matches with four very unique, very individual stories out of the same four guys, and I think it would be absolutely fantastic. Some long-term storytelling on uh, on the Spaz Phoenix podcast. There you go. Now, is that what's actually going to happen? I think they're going to jump the shark, and I think the belts are going to go on Red Dragon on Sunday, which I don't hate, but you could tell a longer story, and it feels a bit rushed. That's all I'm going to say. If Jurassic Express just go in there and legitimately beat both of them and, and retain that that will be the biggest surprise of the night because Jurassic Express at some point and I hate to say this because it all it always sounds like I'm shitting on Luchasaurus I'm not Luchasaurus fucking great he's a fucking dinosaur that wrestles it's awesome but you know AEW want to push Jungle Boy as a singles guy eventually he'll be the TNT champion eventually he'll be in contention for the world title eventually but 
he's not going to do it being the smaller guy in the tag team. So something, I'm not going to say they have to fight. This is this is the New Day argument. They don't have to fight. They don't have to come to blows. They don't have to, you know, the Jurassic Express explode. No, they don't have to do that. They absolutely do not have to do that. But something has to happen. Something has to like something has to almost distract Luchasaurus. Like he needs to go start a feud with somebody on his own. Like, do do like Luchasaurus versus Lance Archer in some like death matches. Have like a have it because he's a dinosaur. Have it be called like an extinction match or something like that. And then while Luchasaurus is, has gone off in a different way, you get Jungle Boy doing more single stuff. Uh, I don't think you get any of that out of this match tonight because I don't think although Jurassic Express are awesome, they have great matches. I'm happy to see them as champions. I don't think their title reign has been as focused on by AEW as you would think from the company who basically said we're going to come in and revive tag team wrestling. Um, so anyways, there's a few ideas for where I think they could go. Um, I think they hotshot it and put it on Red Dragon, but I wouldn't be surprised if they put it on Jurassic Express, and it's the first time in a long time that I have zero problems seeing the Young Bucks feature prominently on my screen because they're not nearly as obnoxious. No, nothing is nearly as obnoxious in AEW as a whole now that we have this illusion that Cody has left, this work that uh, we're all supposed to believe where he's randomly shit on WWE for three years but yet is also going back to WWE because that's a work. Yeah, it is. Oh, yes. Um, so let's talk about one of the highlights of the night. It's AEW Revolution. Let's talk about the face of the Revolution ladder match. This time is for a TNT Championship match. The last time they did this, it was for a, a world title shot, was it not? When uh, Was it Scorpio Sky that won it? I'm pulling things off the top of my head now, which isn't great for a podcast. Um, I love that three of these guys in the match are not guys you would typically picture in a ladder match whatsoever. Wardlow, Keith Lee, and Powerhouse Hobbs, along with Ricky Starks and Orange Cassidy. Now, I would say Orange Cassidy if they hadn't used the qualifier for this match to debut Keith Lee. I think you get Keith Lee. I think you get Keith Lee versus Sammy Guevara at some point, and he pounces him into another life. But I again... Like I said when I was talking about Chris Statlander earlier, that entire group, that sort of amorphous best friends chaos group that's going on is so over. You need to do something with them. And if you're not going to put the TBS title on Chris Statlander, put the TNT title on Orange Cassidy or both. Let them be the championship. If, can you imagine, and I'm just coming up with this off the top of my head so you'll have to forgive me, can you imagine if Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander hold the mid-card titles, and I'm sorry, that's what they are. They're the mid-card titles. That's why they're not called world titles. And Britt Baker and Adam Cole walk out with the main titles. Then you have the two championship couples revisit the mixed tag that they did a couple weeks. I'm fucking... Hire me. Hire me. COVID is over. I can travel down to Florida. We can, we can make it happen, Tony. Give me a shout. Um lost my place. But yeah, Wardlow, Lee, and Hobbs being in this match is insane. Wardlow being so entrenched in the MJF thing just... It means he's going to be a powerhouse in the match and a non-factor at the same time because out of any of them, 
out of any of them, Wardlow ain't winning. <laughs> For definite, he ain't winning. Uh, they keep teasing the whole, like, we want you to think Wardlow's going to win because there's the whole, if he wins and he wins the TNT Championship, he has to give it over to MJF, which is supposed to make us think, oh my god, Wardlow could win it, but I don't think he's going to win it, so there's that. Uh, you could always play up the a little bit of dissension between the Team Taz members with Starks and Hobbs, but I don't really want to do that, because I kind of like Starks and Hobbs as a team, as Team Taz. Uh, I like that the team of Team Taz sort of exists outside of Hook, because Hook still goes and does his own thing because he doesn't give a shit. Orange Cassidy, if he doesn't win this, could go and have a rivalry with Hook. That would be fucking great as well. Um, Hook versus Danhausen. Yes, very nice, very evil. My wife. Uh, that was an Adam Wilborn reference in a Spaz Phoenix podcast. Yep, that's a thing that happened. It's tired in here. Uh, yeah, to me it's pretty obvious that they're going to go with Keith Lee if they want to sort of negate the obviousness of that. Maybe they give it to Orange Cassidy. But I don't know how you climb a ladder and grab a ring in a way that reflects I don't give a shit, which is Orange Cassidy's whole shtick. Um, it's going to be good, regardless. I hope they don't, because this is going to be one of the fireworks matches, the other one we're going to talk about in a bit. I hope they don't do the typical thing where they lead off with one of the best ma I hope they start the show and they get this, the six-man tag out of the way right away. Because I just don't care. Uh, if they burn through the face of the revolution ladder match as the first match of the night, you're gonna you're gonna light the you're gonna light the wick high and then bring it way down and then back up again. You know it's not gonna be bad. There, that's that's sentence structure. Um, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa, and in this case where I would normally talk about a lot of, there's a lot of storytelling, there's a lot of long-term storytelling, there's everything from when they had their Lights Out match, where Thunder Rosa won, but it doesn't count, and Britt Baker gets to remind everybody that it doesn't count, to her getting all kinds of backup, to her getting one backup too many, and that backup turning on her in the form of Mercedes Martinez, and you got, she's got problems with Jamie Hayter, and Rebel, not Reba, Reba, not Rebel, is still there. There's so much going on in the outside of this, and there's so much story among five or six different women, and that's awesome, and it's intricate, and you can tell that they've spent a lot of time on it, but in this particular case, because Britt Baker is Britt Baker, and because Thunder Rosa is Thunder Rosa, I wish it didn't have all that set dressing. I wish it was just these two. I wish she wasn't coming down with heaters. I wish Thunder Rosa didn't necessarily have backup, and I wish that these two would just go in there and kill each other again. Britt Baker is awesome. I do think Thunder Rosa is going to uh, avenge or at least try to avenge the the win that she got that didn't count because every promo she's done she's like I'm gonna I am gonna beat you I am gonna beat you on the pay-per-view stage and it is gonna count this time like there is that element that she's like worse than I think that's got to be worse than a, in a storytelling sense that's got to be worse than a loss worse than a loss has to be a win that doesn't count or a win that doesn't matter per se because to go through what they went through in that match and then have the victory not matter is worse than losing, in, in a sense. I, I like Britt Baker. You guys know Britt Baker kept my interest in this division going for a while before they brought in Thunder Rosa, Mercedes Martinez, uh, Ruby Soho, the, the rise of Tay Conti, 
uh, a couple of other people. I wish they would do more with Abaddon, because Abaddon's a lot of fun, and I like fucked up shit. Britt Baker floated my interest in this division for a long time, in the dark days, where I said, you know, WWE's not that great at tag team wrestling, but AEW kind of sucks dick at uh, at presenting a women's division. Britt Baker was the, the guiding light in all that. And yeah, you, know, you know who else was kind of good? Uh, Big Swole. Wonder what happened to her. Um... My fandom wants to say that Britt Baker takes this and and wins and goes on to say, hey, every time we've fought for all, every time we've fought that it counted, I've won because that's awesome. There's the, there is the other part of me though that set, that thinks if Thunder Rosa does manage to win, that it'll be pretty cool. Because correct me if I'm wrong, isn't when they were using the, uh, was it the ROH? No. Somebody else's championship. NWA, maybe? The NWA Women's Championship or whatever other championship they brought in for a little bit that was brought in by Thunder Rosa. She brought another title into the company on her waist so that the women's division would have something else to do. So it would be a cool thank you, a cool recognition in that regard to strap her up eventually. Especially because she's just fucking good, too. Like, again, I'm going to say Ruby Soho not being anywhere on this card bums me out. I went on a diatribe in my last pod about Deanna Perrazzo not being on the Impact Sacrifice card, even though she's carrying the Reina de Reyes and ROH Women's Championships, uh, because her being on the card changes the card. Ruby Soho has that same effect on an AEW card, so the fact that there are two women's matches, three women's matches, on this card, and she's not in any of them, is a bit of a bummer. It's a bit of a loss, it's a bit of a fail on their part, in my opinion. But now we get to, fuck, to use WWE terminology, the four main events. Brian Danielson versus John Moxley. And considering the hardcore match we have coming up later on, I hope it's not too much in a way so that they don't steal, steal heat from each other. But Brian Danielson and John Moxley are going to kill each other. They've built up this story where Moxley wants to chew up anything in front of him. Danielson sort of being a bit manipulative, but also putting ideas in everybody's head that they like. But him wanting to create this sort of Dragon's Dojo type thing with Moxley. And rumor has it, rumor has it, Cesaro and Eddie Kingston are going to get involved in this as well. The idea that Brian Danielson wants to team with him, John Moxley says we have to fight first. Um... I want Moxley to win because Mox has had some stuff. Mox, um, Mox is kind of like uh, Drew McIntyre and Asuka and Bailey and a couple of other people in the WWE in the sense of he really was one of the, the headliners, the hood ornaments that carried us all as wrestling fans through the COVID era. So it makes me want the world for him in that regard. But also, it's, it's fucking Mox. He is the Stone Cold Steve Austin of AEW. And you always want him to have something. And Brian Danielson being a little bit of a wiener, being a little bit of a, of a manipulative twit, um, should fall to that. Like, should fall to the Austin of this company. But also, what Brian Danielson posits to Moxley is way too interesting a prospect for me as a wrestling fan to ignore. The idea of them being a team, the idea of them being a team and leading a faction and not only recruiting but training others in their image when they mention guys like Daniel Garcia, like Wheeler Yuta, when you hear the rumors of them bringing along guys like Eddie Kingston and possibly Cesaro, it's 
it's the heel getting his way, but it's a way of making the crowd sort of want the heel to get his way. So I think the the happy compromise is John Moxley beats the ever loving shit out of him. Probably in storyline takes advantage of the head and neck issues that we know of with Brian Danielson, and that's how you explain the the weakness. But maybe he wins and he says, "Okay, let's give it a shot anyway," because Moxley isn't exactly a Snow White babyface. He's on the right side of things most of the time, but he's the anti-hero, Punisher type of heel. He's not John Cena, for lack of a better term. And Brian Danielson is one of those heels that goes by the rule of the heel always gets you best by telling the truth. And it's like, yeah, yeah, Moxley might not want to team with you, but everything you're saying is cool. So Moxley wins, but Danielson earns his respect in the process, and... Uh, yeah, Brian Danielson and John Moxley decide to go uh, make Luchasaurus extinct and take those tag titles. Wouldn't hurt my feelings. You guys know this time last year I was saying Moxley and Kingston should do that, but Kingston has a bunch of other associations now as well. Like there's the stuff with him and uh, there's stuff with him and Santana and Ortiz, which brings us to the Chris Jericho Eddie Kingston match, which is so cliche. I mean, I like Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston comes across as real as it gets. But because he's as real as it gets, Jericho's being as fake as it gets. And they're doing what I can't stand, what is way overdone in AEW when they're taking their shots at WWE. Well, I'm a wrestler. You're just a sports entertainer. But Jericho's leaning into that so fucking hard that it's hilarious. And, you know, what's a babyface? What's a promo? Why are there guards here? This is ridiculous. Why don't we just fight? Why do we need to come out and talk about it first? Like, cutting down the... Uh, the staples and the tent poles of like how wrestling stories go together is a lot of fun. Now, Jericho's Jericho, and Eddie Kingston is Eddie Kingston, and I don't think this is going to be a pretty match at all. I don't think... Not, not to be a dickhead about it, but I think as long as the character work is there, this match doesn't even need to be good. Um, which is funny to say, because I don't think it will be bad. Eddie Kingston is a brawler, and you it's kind of hard to fuck that shit up. And Chris Jericho is is a chameleon. Like, he can do pretty much anything. He fucked up a lion salt once, and then, like, perfected it again just as a fuck you to the fans for calling him out on it. So, it's, it's not like there's much Chris Jericho can't do. Um... Much as this will piss most people off, because I don't think a lot of people will agree with me, I hope Chris Jericho wins. I hope Chris Jericho wins and says Eddie Kingston over the edge, which means Eddie Kingston and Proud and Powerful go and join the Brian Danielson, John Moxley dojo, and you just get this roaming mob of, like, killers within AEW. I think that's a cool story I just made up in my head. Alright. Okay. Let's talk about... Let's talk about the feud that Hangman Page and Kenny Omega thinks it was. And I'm talking about CM Punk versus MJF. The promo that that MJF cut a week and a half ago about, uh, you know, being bullied and, and, you know, CM Punk turned his back on me because the only thing keeping me going was going to that, uh, that, uh autograph signing where I uh, where I got that picture with him that everybody's seen now and it was the only thing that um, distracted me from going to school and having all these kids pick on me for being Jewish and throw, throwing quarters at me and shit. I'm not laughing at that because I think it's 
funny by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just... The, the MJF promo, even though we all knew it was garbage, we all knew exactly where it was going to go, it was still, it still managed to be awesome despite that. It still managed to make us almost want to believe it. And after last week, I thought, well, the magic of this, even though he's like the best heel in wrestling right now, the magic of this is he could go babyface off that promo. But he's not going to go babyface because it's fucking MJF and he's the best heel in wrestling right now. So the other two ways you go with that are, it's a lie, it's total bullshit, it's just to manipulate CM Punk and, and get him off his guard. Or, it is true, and that's what he uses to justify every single bad, dastardly thing he's going to do to CM Punk on Sunday. And basically you treat it like a comic book villain's origin story type of, type of idea. Um, I think they've sort of done a bit of all of those things. <laughs> Punk coming out this week, and, um, you know, they had the hug, and it was, it was exactly, oh, who was it? Uh, Jericho and Shawn Michaels, when they, when they fought, and it was, it was, it was mentor versus fan, and they had the hug at the end that ended with the, with the low blow and the nut shot and all that kind of thing. Um, that which was expected. As soon as they hugged, all the all the wrestling fans were like, "Yeah, kick him in the nuts," because that's where that's where it's gonna go. But uh, the beatdown afterwards with the ring, presented by Wardlow, because we're still telling that story. Um, and then he he quotes the famous CM Punk speech from his ROH days, which I'm not familiar with, but I have seen. I've seen clips of that speech. The uh, the old man and the snake. Um, there's another one too that he does with the scorpion. Uh, as well, the the frog and the scorpion, which is also really good. Um, but but um, CM uh, CM Punk basically hung up in the dog collar by Sean Spears while uh, while MJF smears his blood all over his face because he cut him open with the ring. <coughs> They're both wearing the white shirts, which I think is great as well. AEW, I will say, does love to to. Uh, foreshadow their stuff. Everybody comes out in white when you know it's going to be a, a bloody thing. Or if you're just uh, Brian Danielson, you want to make an anti-merchandise statement, which I think is kind of ridiculous. But um, he said, and he just says, you're, you're the old man and I'm the snake. And I'm just like, oh, that's fucking brilliant. Like, there are things that AEW does that are so much better. And I really wish their fans wouldn't be so obnoxious about it so that we could just enjoy it. Because it's not like they're not true. It's just like, enjoy it. Talk about how great it is. And like, this is fucking great. This is poetry. When they went into when they went into the the bullying thing a week and a half ago, and specifically the the cultural mistreatment and the religious mistreatment of him for for being uh, specifically for being Jewish, but not only that, but like being hazed on a on a sports team and all that sort of thing. And you start talking about some real shit, and you, it is one of those things that makes you think like, yeah, like wrestling can make like even if he's lying at that point, you're still tapping into like Punk said this week. Even if he's lying, he is talking about what somebody watching that show is dealing with that day, and like not to be completely cheesy, but like wrestling can make you feel stuff, and. It was, I came out of that promo not only being like, yeah, he's talking bullshit, but I don't care, but also hats off to him and hats off to AEW, because a couple of times in that promo, I was like, wow, they really went there, and uh, there's depth and there's layers and all that kind of thing, and all this to say that CM Punk as the, as not to borrow a NXT term, but CM Punk playing 
a really good sort of grizzled young veteran, uh, or sorry, grizzled old veteran character to MJF's rising, absolutely psychopathic uh, heel is to go to get where we are now to him casting him off at the beginning and just calling him the less famous Miz. There's, they've done a lot in such a small amount of time, and I know I'm rambling, and uh, those of you that are used to what my podcasts are like will forgive me at this point. This is why I need a co-host. But they've come so far in such a short amount of time. They've done so much in... I, I'm sorry. For, for the AEW Day 1 True Blue loyalists, they have done more with these guys in the short amount of time that they've had than anything Hangman and Omega did. And I'm saying within AEW. I'm not saying whatever knowledge you carry about those guys from Japan or from ROH or from the Indies or whatever. But I'm saying Omega Hangman, as it exists as an AEW story, which was basically like, I beat the crap out of you. You went and got drunk with your friends for a while and then you came back and got, got the title off me because I'm injured. <sighs> They've done so much more with CM Punk and MJF than that story. And that story still gets held up on the, on the altar as the gold standard of AEW storytelling when AEW does have awesome storytelling and that is nowhere near the gold standard I'm just putting that out there right now CM Punk, MJF after the double cheated double win in Chicago I think this is where MJF finally takes his loss but don't hold me to that because I'm not confident at all. Um, what I am confident about, on the other side of the coin, is that Adam Cole should beat Hangman Page. I'm not confident that he will. I'm confident that he should. And this is, as I've said a bunch of times already, this is no dig at Hangman Page. But he has great matches. But he has great matches where I'm always more entertained by the other guy. I was more entertained by Brian Danielson, and I haven't always been the biggest Brian Danielson fan. I was more entertained with his matches with Kenny Omega by Kenny Omega, and I'm outwardly not a huge fan of Kenny Omega. Um, I mean, obviously his match with Archer was just a filler match. Um, when he was when he was in the tag team with Kenny Omega, even though I'm not a huge fan of Kenny Omega, I was more entertained by Omega than I was by him. He's very solid. He's the good guy. He's out there with all the right motivations and all the right methods and everybody's behind him and they can feel for him because they've given him layers like we said with MJF before in a very different context. I get that he's a well-built character and I get that they've done a lot to get him to this point, but I don't care that he's a well-developed character that's done a lot to get to this point because Adam Cole is infinitely a bigger star. You put the two, you stand the two of them in the ring and get each one of them to raise their hands. You know, I'll, I'll use another WWE example with CM Punk. When CM Punk won the WWE Championship at that Money in the Bank, and took the belt and went home. And then they decided to make a brand new title. See, or, uh, John Cena obviously won that tournament. I think he beat Rey Mysterio in the last match of that tournament. And at the end of the night, CM Punk came back and they both held up their belts. One held it up, got a little bit of a mixed reaction. The other one got a huge roaring ovation. The roaring ovation 
if the fans are honest with themselves and they're not thinking, oh, this is what the story says, so this is what I'm supposed to do, if you just go with your gut, the roaring ovation will be for Adam Cole the heel. So not only does that say a lot for Adam Cole, it says a lot against Hangman Page. That being said, this match is going to be fantastic. We're they've 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 put that story in very nicely of like which one of them is going to be referred to as the other Adam. We've done the whole story of Adam Cole has a lot of backup, but can he count on his backup because his backup are fighting amongst themselves? We've got we've done the whole thing of Adam um, Hangman Page being held up by his friends. Um, some of Adam Cole's backup is the Bucks, who gave Adam Page the nod when he won the title from Kenny Omega. There's a lot to go into this, and there's a lot to take from it, depending on what string you want to pull. And that, again, to, to the credit of AEW, to the credit of everybody in AEW, there's a lot of th threads to pull. You can make a lot of reasons for a lot of things. But just tell me, who do I want to be champion, Adam Cole or Hangman Page? It's going to be Adam Cole all the time, every single day. And yes, do I have a little bit more time with Adam Cole because I watched him blitz through NXT before he got to AEW? Yes. Am I biased because of that? Abso-fucking-lutely. But, I'm sorry, you still put them face to face, and there's a reason that Adam Cole was so, so often compared to Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels, even in his worst times, even when he was in his worst, stupidest DX storylines and popping out of the Undertaker's casket, Shawn Michaels radiated a star. Shawn Michaels could do anything you wanted to do. He could do comedy. He could do serious. He could be an absolute conniving prick. He could go to Montreal, stick the Canadian flag up his nose, and then hump it. He could fly. He could wrestle. He could brawl. He could be good. He could be bad. He could be He could be the Swiss Army knife of wrestling. And I know I've in the past I've given that uh, that I've given that accolade to CM Punk as well, and I believe that as well. But he radiated star. Punk radiates star. Adam Cole radiates star. Hangman Page is a really good wrestler that we've done a lot of really good work with and a couple people are really behind him and they really want him to do well. That's not the same as put the fingers up in the air and the entire arena screams Adam Cole baby waits for you to put your thumb up and universally booms. He should be the champion already. He should be the champion this Sunday. And for a reason I can't really put my finger on, I don't think they're going to do it. Which is really, really unfortunate. <coughs> so, as I cough my lungs out and decide that I'm going to record my third pod on another night because I've got no voice left, I'm going to run down the card once again. Hook's going to beat QT, and I'm not really going to care. Chris Statlander's going to beat Layla Hirsch, and we're possibly getting the Dark Alien, which is fine. We're going to have a six-man tag that nobody cares about. Tay Conte should beat Jade Cargill and probably won't. Jurassic Express probably retain their titles, if not Red Dragon take them. Keith Lee with a possible second option of Orange Cassidy win the Face of the Revolution ladder match. Britt Baker defends against Thunder Rosa, but if it goes the other way around, it's not going to hurt my feelings. John Moxley beats Brian Danielson. <sighs> Let's be real, Eddie Kingston probably kicks the shit out of Chris Jericho. CM Punk maybe puts the first loss on MJF in the dog collar match, and Adam Cole should win the world title, but probably won't. There's a whole lot of stuff that I think should happen on this card that's not going to happen on that card. And the amazing thing about this card and about AEW in general right now is they're hardly doing anything that I want them to do, but I still want them to do exactly what they're doing. 
hope you guys are excited. Hope you guys are excited. If, if um, you guys are going to join me on Twitter, uh, at SpazPhoenix or at SpazPhoenix1, I will be watching Sacrifice later on in the evening on Saturday. If you want to tweet along with me while I watch it late, that'd be great. I will be watching Revolution Live and tweeting along with that as well. Let me know your thoughts, etc. I will be putting together at some point, not tonight because I've got no voice left, but I will be putting some thoughts together before we get NXT Roadblock next Tuesday. So if you've got any thoughts on that, even though I think there's only like five matches on the card, uh, let me know on Twitter. Let me know in the comment section of this if you're watching it on on YouTube. And you will hear from me sooner than later. Happy Revolution Sacrifice Roadblock all the wrestling weekend from me. Your buddy, your pal, Spaz Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation, keep all of these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, tagging out. Bye, guys.